Music and art are an expression of an artist's perspective on life. They shape our own perceptions of reality and help us develop an appreciation for the world around us. Connect with creatives of every nature to understand and deepen your connection to their work on the Evoked Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Evoked Podcast. Today I'm joined by environmental artist and musician AJ Tarzian. AJ, thanks for being here, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. What a cool guy. <laughs> I Man, we've had I some cool conversations. No, of course, of course. And humble too, so there you go. But um originally from Skokie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I grew up there, went to the whole school through the whole school system of District 69, funny enough, and uh, District 219, and, uh, um, yeah. And I, love, you, I love Skokie, honestly. It's, like, one of my favorite. It's, like, the hidden gem of Chicago. It's not technically Chicago, but it's right, right Chicagoland. Yeah, Chicagoland area. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you were telling me something, a uh, little cool story about someone you played violin with in seventh grade. Oh, yeah, with uh, uh, Richard Mendenhall. The, uh, I, I, like, always, yeah, I, I never, like, I knew he was, like, a big football player in the NFL, but like I always forget that everybody. He was like he was even a big deal in the NFL. He was, yeah, he was a big deal in in high school. We played violin in like seventh grade together. Um, he was always a really cool guy. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome to hear that. And then, then the love you have for, you know, your hometown is awesome too, right? Well, and what was cool about him, you know, so like he ended up uh, actually quitting the. NFL and I saw the interview about why why he did and it was like he um you know he felt like he was like harming his uh his body essentially for right, right. for like entertainment and was like was like uh instead became like a writer in in Hollywood and started re- screenwriting for um oh, I didn't even realize that. There was a, a show called Ballers that I don't know yeah, if it's yeah, still yeah. out or not but he was he was a writer for Ballers. Wow. So he actually like was like you know what I'm going to kind of like get out while I, while I'm ahead before I like actually like you know suffer like brain damage or something like that and like Man, started writing. So for, much uh, respect for that. That's amazing. So like he, yeah he's kind of just like a, a you know That's real courage. Like a very like yeah well-rounded like human it seems like. He's wow. Like, yeah, yeah. Get a probably good family. Yeah. You know, good parents. Yeah. Um, so tell me though about your because you you were an artist through and through. You went to to college for set design, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I went to uh, DePaul uh, here in, uh, in in Chicago, um, which uh, you know is like for for set design uh, as an undergrad was like really just amazing to get into the school. It's like they it's a conservatory, so like they you know like I had to like you know interview for, for that, and then there was like a they accepted only five five people, so I was like with these same five set designers for for all four years, and like you know we had to like get invited back every year, and like all wow. it was like like that like the actors at DePaul they they accept fifty and they cut twenty five of them after the first year, so it's like a it's a super competitive school, um, and you know like I had a really low GPA in high school, so like I really had like no business being at DePaul I think as it as it was, and then. Uh, but I, I had been designing uh, shows in uh, in the city because my 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 friends who um who actually had started that band that I was talking about earlier that have the the live stream. But uh, he started a theater company when he graduated from uh, from Niles West. So I was still like a sophomore at the time, and he had started a theater company and would have me as the set designer. So I remember when I when I interviewed at DePaul, like I already had like like two or three like reviews in the in the sun times and like all these like newspapers that like where they had actually like 
reviewed my designs and said my name in the paper and all this stuff. So like, um, so yeah, so like, you know, I, they ended up, uh, accepted me into that. And then, you know, like I, I, I was, uh, working starting when I was like 18 for, for a spot called, uh, Ravenswood studio, uh, which builds like massive, like opera, opera scenery and like, you know, TV shows and all this stuff. So like, you know, I started building that stuff when I, when I was 18, um, and also like, you know, doing the, the draftings in the shop and like, uh, you know, kind of doing all the realms of it. So, you know, from, a, from like a pretty young age, I was like very much like in the, the theater realm, like in the Broadway, like being kind of pushed into this like um, Broadway industrial like design world. And uh, as I did more theater stuff, like after graduating, I, I didn't feel like maybe as f fulfilled as I wanted to with actually designing plays. Cause I, I, I felt like, um, it's like I was kind of doing art only for other artists when I was doing that, mm. which not that, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like taking and, direction in a sense. Well, no, it was like, you know, I would like kind of, you know, I'd pour myself into the, into this, uh, set design for a play. And then I would feel like the only people that were kind of seeing it were other, um, either other theater people or other, uh, you know, um, people that were already kind of of a, uh, this sort of like higher mind state. And I, I really wanted to like be reaching people that weren't. No, oh, I see. With the, you know, like that's kind of what we were talking yeah. about before. It was like, you know, like I, I really like um, bringing these experiences and artistic experiences and like just like even just fun experiences that are kind of remind you of like being, being a kid again and stuff like that. And like, um, I've kind of like taken, taken that into realms where it doesn't normally exist. And that's kind of how I've, you know, built my, uh, my career, these, la whatever, like last 10 years or whatever, like doing, they started calling them pop-ups. Um, but so like I, I designed a lot of like the original ones in Chicago at, uh, like Emporium. We did, Emporium pop-ups for almost two years. So like, oh, wow. um, like the stranger things pop-up was the, was the real big one that like went viral and everything. And, but, and this was you doing this on your yeah, own? So yeah. So I designed, uh, the stranger things one, I had done like three or three for them before that. Um, and then these haunted houses for two years before that with them, which was a whole other story, but then it turned into that space from those haunted houses essentially. Um, and then the stranger things one. Yeah. Like, I remember I watched the show the week before because they were like, yeah, we're going to do this Stranger Things uh, theme. And I so I like watched the show and then came up with this uh, crazy concept to like, I like put all the furniture upside down on the ceiling. I mirrored the whole ceiling of the bar. Holy smoke. And then, you know, like made the tablecloth like, you know, like with like glue and everything. So the tablecloth would look like it was upside down. Yeah. So when you looked up at the ceiling you'd be upside down in the reflection, but the reflection of the room was right side up. So it literally would flip you upside down. And like, I, rem I remember having the idea, like, like as I'm watching the show, I'm like, oh my God, like, and like, like, I don't know, you ever have like an idea that's like, you like just know that it's so good. Like you almost have like a, like evil laughter. You're like, you're like, oh my God, I started like laughing to myself. I'm like, it's going to be so good. I was like, I know I can pull it off. Like, so like we, cause I, I did it and it was like four days we had to do the whole build out. So like I had you know a few friends that that I hired on to help and like you know a few people from the bar that that helped out and we like we just went crazy with it and it uh 
it got like some really good press initially. We we got this uh, cease and desist letter on the first week, but it was written like characters from the show. They were like, uh, "Sorry, our walkie-talkies broke," but like we heard blah blah blah. And like they were like they threatened to call our moms and stuff like that. And like it was like they basically said, "Don't extend beyond our six-week run." We had six weeks. Wow. And we were like, "Well, we don't. We can't extend. We had something else planned." So it was like. Kind of cool, and then you know it went. It's, it's one of those uh, better to ask for uh, uh, forg- yeah, forgiveness. Permission. Exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was exactly that. And like, it ended up like you know after all this popularity from it, like I was in, uh, you know, like People Magazine from that. And like all this, it was written up and everything. But then towards the end of it, Netflix actually leaked that letter on purpose because they were about to release a new season. And so I was actually I was in New York at the time. I was doing uh, pop ups for Run the Jewels <laughs> for uh, uh, for Killer Mike and LP out there and. Uh, um, they, uh, <laughs> I get a call from a friend that was in law school and they're like, Hey, you're, they're teaching your pop-up in my law class because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause they, cause apparently Netflix, uh, leaked the letter and they were like being like, you know, you can send a cease and desist basically without being mean. It was kind of like, it became this like thing. A great school. PR stunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just like, I was like, well, that's. That's kind of crazy. So how, like, in, term, in terms of the entrepreneur part, like, how how did you find success so quickly? Um. Well, I mean, I mean, on your own, for, that's not an easy thing to do. For one thing, yeah, I don't know that it was was particularly like quickly, or that it's even uh, <laughs> that it's even like success <laughs> it's subjective. But yeah, but um, I, I definitely uh carved my own little like kind of niche in a different market that's kind of what i was like saying before it's like uh i took what would normally be done in like theater and maybe you know like museums or like these types of spots and just started putting it into you know bars and like music events and uh all these just different spots that like um that it wasn't normally and uh people just kind of um took a liking to it and it kind of uh kind of funny enough uh, i was actually like thinking about it even earlier today at like uh because now you know i'm doing all like this this uh, music stuff now and like it was such a natural transition because like i accidentally ended up in the in the music world so much through it too because it was like um with I mean, the installation ended up with the installation art yeah because it's like you know music's already a, a big aspect of like bar and club culture so like I ended up around a lot of musicians naturally through it. Now you mentioned seventh grade violin. Yeah, had, that music was been a, <laughs> had music been a part of your life since then, or is that something that you well, didn't so focus on? Funny enough, actually, like you know, because when I when I was like real young, I would I used to like play along to the radio on the piano. There was like a piano in our house, yeah, and like yeah. I was like able to like just play by ear and do all this stuff. And like my you know like my parents aren't really like like artists but they're they're open to it and, and whatnot but they were like oh man you know this kid must be really good at music so they put me in piano lessons and our neighbor was like this like this like russian lady that was like really a crazy piano teacher and like she had me in like mozart competitions and stuff i was Holy playing like smokes. four page mozart i was in like fourth grade i was like but like i hated like having to practice and do all this stuff and like so she like one day i remember she just like like left like like just left in the middle of the night. <laughs> I was just like, oh man, like I don't have to go to piano lessons anymore. She had like a whole like a breakdown. Yeah. Well no, it was like a like a I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened. she just took her piano and left. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but I was like, sweet, I don't got to practice piano anymore. And like I was in, you know, like lessons for like violin and like trumpet and these different things in school. And it was like the music education made me feel like I couldn't play music weird enough because it was like the more I was like, oh, I have to learn all these like scales and theory and all this stuff. The more I was like, I can't be a musician. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do all that. And it took me all the way until now, like these last like couple of years um, that I, you know, like had been producing music and doing it and doing all this stuff to realize that it's actually like, like all the patterns and all the theory and everything that they teach in music. And this is true, I think, of all art, right? It's like, like you talk about like painting and like in painting class, they'll talk about like a golden ratio, right? And like these different like ratios of colors that work and like they'll oftentimes teach that in such a way where you think like that's something that the masters were like thinking about while they were doing it like all like uh michelangelo was going and like taking a ruler and trying to make this triangle where he was doing a golden ratio and it's like no he wasn't doing that like he was naturally just painting stuff and it's like usually a as people do something the patterns then get recognized mm -hmm. later on by scholars and by these different you know like people that are like oh wow all these things that were successful have in common this one like ratio of colors or this one thing yeah. and then that gets taught as like the way that you do it but like if you actually just trust your instincts as like a human being and as just like this creative entity that the decision that you think up and then decide is right is the right decision when you're making any form of art so like and like you like with music it's like you can hear when something's off right so like if you if you're listening to like a beat or like something like that and all of a sudden the beat changes at the wrong moment in the song whether or not you make music you know that something's wrong in the song so like i just kind of realized it's like if you're just kind of trusting your instincts as a as a human you can kind of like just create any form of art and like you just gotta just kind of start doing it that's i mean I, I, what a thought <laughs> it is it's so true though and, and and you think about the things that we have as barriers for you, was it was it just that easy to then pursue uh, these different uh, ways of expression? And, and now, because I want to get to the fact that you didn't just start something, because with your art, it, you didn't, I mean, we have, I guess we don't have a choice as far as how people receive, uh, you know, our, our expressions or our art. For, for your music, it seemed to hit pretty quick, and you had a, quite a follow, you have quite a following on Instagram now. Yeah, you know, it was a... Uh... That was definitely um, weird how that happened. It it was also, you know, like this, the sound that I've developed with this like acid blues thing is like also very strategic. And it's also something that's been in my brain for a really long time. I've if you like ask my like really close friends, like I've talked about this like idea of like psychedelic blues hip hop for a long time. I just didn't really know how to like pull it off. And then, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe five, six years ago, I had was dealing with some legal stuff from uh from some like cannabis uh thing so i was on uh on house arrest for a couple of years and like um that's when i started playing harmonica so like i i had um you know that that was you know kind of clicked really fast and i always intended on uh uh figuring out how to produce produce the music to go behind it um and uh, just didn't have time after after like I got out and like it's like the world just kind of takes over and like um, and then quarantine happened and I was used to it kind of from those two years on house arrest so like as soon as that happened I uh, you know started uh, you know producing the uh, 
the sort of all analog, all analog, just like playing with these old samplers and everything. Um, and yeah, it, it just kind of clicked. And I, I remember saying to my one friend, like, man, these are, these are sounding pretty good. Like, I want to get some like vocalists maybe now or some like people to do some verses. And he was just like, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, you know what? You're right. I will. I'll just like try to do that. So it took like maybe six months of like really figuring out my voice and stuff. But harmonica, wow. harmonica and vocals are really almost the same exact technique. It's like this kind of restriction of air instead of like like when you're like hitting notes and stuff, you're not like screaming, you're actually like restricting where the air is going, which sure, was sure. like um, part of maybe why why it sort of clicked. And the, the actual like lyrical side just felt so natural to me. I'm always <laughs> like, you know, putting words into different weird combinations and all this stuff. So were you into poems at all uh, growing up? Not necessarily, but like, like I've always been good at like combining words together and like puns and like like I there's <laughs> certain people in my life that I drive absolutely crazy with puns and then other people that you know like think <laughs> it's awesome but now I, you know like but you know I, I was definitely pretty self conscious about the music as I was making it I had like my core group of friends I would send stuff to and like they're all people I trust and that are actually you know really successful in the in the industry and stuff and they would say it's good but I was always like well they kind of have to say it's good you know <laughs> like so I wasn't really sure and then uh with the Instagram stuff like I I had only posted videos of like it would be like my hands in the shot or like the just the lyrics on the page and like you'd kind of hear it so like it, you know I had like maybe a hundred followers or something like that and then I I had at this point written I had eight songs that I that I thought were like pretty good that I, I was like these are actually I think like this is like almost an album at this point and so I filmed myself performing two of them like at my warehouse where I have all my crazy props and like store all this just which crazy. looks like a piece of art in and of itself it's amazing <laughs> it's a lot of stuff yeah like I yeah I, I mean uh, you do you feel like you're walking into a Hollywood production studio <laughs> yeah I'm like I'm like a functioning hoarder that's what I always say. <laughs> But, um, so I like, you know, I like just film just like my, myself performing a couple of the songs and I'm like, it was more just for myself just to see like how, I, how I looked performing them even and stuff. And I'm like, eh, whatever, it's, it sounds pretty good. So I put, I put, uh, two, the, those two up on Instagram and it got like, like a noticeably like, like a different type of attention than when, on all those other posts, you know, and like sure. all the like different like blogs wanted like reposted all this wow. stuff. And so it, it ended up from those two videos, it went up to like around like, four thousand or something like that four or five thousand and i was like wow that's crazy like i was like i have six more songs i was like (laughs) i was like i'm just gonna make a a new video every day this week of each each track from the album do like a different you know sort of background with all the stuff at the warehouse and just like put them up there and it and it grew like really like it grew like over thirty thousand people (laughs) in, in uh in like that week um and uh yeah and I, like i ended up through completely disconnected things at the at the grammys like the week after that happened so like it was like i i just put all those things out there and then i i was at the grammys and ended up on the red carpet and like got like you know pictures on the red carpet and everything and then had like a couple like blogs like put out like articles about like the music stuff and like this like who is lewinsky and like all this stuff like, wow so it, like it was really bizarre to me but um and that's the explain to me the the name. Uh, yeah, so it started as uh, Harmonica Lewinsky, um, which you know it's still like to me. It's like it, it, it's obviously it's like you know it's funny and like like I said the stupid uh, pun thing I guess. But um, um, 
well, for one thing, there's like several other groups that have like utilized that over the years, none of which play harmonica, which is weird <laughs> to me. But like, so, well, whatever. But like, but like, as it's uh, turned into more of like, like I, I think the songs are a little bit more like uh, serious and stuff now. Anyway, so I'm like, I've moved more just like it's just Lewinsky. It's like uh, with a yeah money sign K E Y. So like uh, key like uh, keys of a piano, but um. But yeah, Harmonica Lewinsky is the uh, <laughs> is the inspiration. The inspiration. <laughs> but I actually do play harmonica, and the other Harmonica Lewinsky is just like a punk band that doesn't. Well, I had the honor of seeing you perform live, um, which is pretty awesome. And you know, I gotta say, it looks like you have no fear whatsoever. You know, be like a stage fright. Like I didn't see that at all in you. Now, you don't. That you don't get that from artists typically. You you have this this kind of social you know ability about you. <laughs> I, Tell me about just yeah. I mean, I now, appreciate now you saying that because I definitely like had to really really get over that super hard. I'm like not, you know, I like for what I, my whole life I always would end up being on stage. Like I was like a, a performing magician when I was like you know like eight to like you know, like 12, 15 years old. <laughs> like I was like, so that's where that magic came from. In the middle of <laughs> I had to do some magic. That's true. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, did a lot of like theater stuff and like would end up, you know, in shows and like, so, so it's like, it's not like I'm that much of a, a stranger to it, but I would de like definitely kind of straight away from that. Cause I would get like super nervous before wow. doing shows all the time. And I still yeah. get pretty nervous, but like I, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's quarantine. Maybe quarantine did it. Maybe like it's a mix of a lot of things. It's uh, and just me kind of saying, you know what, like fuck it, like why not? Why like, I don't know. Why so, like we're, right? yeah, we're yeah, we're we're our own greatest fear. Like yeah. our, our like we're afraid of ourselves more than anything. So <laughs> like I was just like, no more of that. That's awesome. That's Let's awesome. just do it. And also, it's like you ever. Uh, it, it's like the invisibility. Uh, sunglasses that's what this like once i'm in uh, lewinsky mode i'm like it's over <laughs> well, well tell me about lewinsky vision what what does the future look like what do you hope for uh and how can people you know yeah. uh, support you well i mean uh so it's like i have this acid blues album is basically done being written it's going to be um you know released i think as three separate like uh, micro micro tapes i'm gonna sort of call them i think but uh um my you know my vision with it is very it very much encapsulates the the art installations and things too i think i'm in a kind of unique position with it going going into the sort of music realm because it's like I, I i worked with so many artists over these years achieving their um sort of vision uh in terms of like the visuals you know for music videos and for for these pop-ups and like all these different things so like i'm I feel, I feel like i'm in kind of a cool position where i can i can do all that that stuff for my own music project and like i i kind of really had to visualize i was telling you about like the swamp world before and stuff and like i, I i'm such a visual person that like i envisioned an entire storyline revolving around the world of the music before I was able to really start writing the songs. So like there's a whole vocabulary uh, visually that that I already know is like going to be really cool once it can be fully achieved. I'm like 
still wrapping my head around like using all the like harmonica effect pedals and like all like getting everything like plugged into the system and which we were like figuring out together you know the other night and like um but i'm used to like actually just making like just crazy visual effects happen you know like for for live events and for that sort of stuff so once that all gets implemented into the music show like it's gonna be a different level i think it's gonna yeah i think it's gonna be really cool i'm like like i have a lot of like an immersive surprise store yeah yeah it's yeah there's a whole there's a whole thing that's awesome but uh you also have some gigs coming up and and which i think is kind of part of that which is a very unique thing that uh, you were mentioning like with Kitchen Seventeen, how yeah. you have a, a piece there, and you're going to be performing there. So what a, what a treat for people to come and see, you know, the the art that you've created, but and then the music. Yeah, no, for sure. I uh, it's kind of like worked out that way, uh, accidentally. But I'm I kind of really like it. It's like like replays the same way um, where uh, where the last show was. It's like you know I I'll, I've been building a lot of art for all the pop ups at Replay Arcade Bar, and then right down the street on uh, Diversity is uh, Kitchen Seventeen, which uh, makes amazing like vegan uh, deep dish pizza. And they they just moved into this old which I'm nightclub. excited to try, man. Oh my god, vegan it's really dish. good. I'm, uh, I'm well, they do all kinds of uh, sort of like. Uh, you know, different bar foods and stuff like that, but all vegan. So you can get like vegan wings That's and all cool. that sort of stuff. And the fudge was amazing. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, the, uh, the piece that I have at Kitchen 17 um, was originally like this tree, crazy futuristic found object, silver like tree that I built for Artopia, which uh, Artopia was like an event at uh, uh, Morgan, Morgan Manufacturing, I think it's called. Uh, that was uh, that was really cool, and then uh, yeah, it was used for another event, um, and now it's like their railing banister at Kitchen Seventeen. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. It looks cool. It like fit in there. And how can people follow you? Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, on uh, on Instagram, I have two, um, you know, different uh, realms that you can uh, <laughs> follow both of them, or one or none, or whatever. But. Uh, uh, so anarchotype is the uh, like installation art stuff. So that's uh, uh, A N A R C H I like Chicago, uh, T Y P E anarchotype like like archetype and anarchy, and Chicago <laughs> and Chicago all is one word. They all go together though here in Chicago. Yeah, well you know and like yeah and that uh, that in and of itself is a whole. Uh, philosophy towards things that um you know it's like uh like if you see like the logo of it it's like a the anarchy symbol but it's flipped upside down and then there's so like it's kind of like the v with the circle and the line and then Mm. it's just palm tree tops so like literally just by adding those palm tree tops under the top of the v it just looks like a sunset with palm trees reflecting because like you know, like I, I, for one thing, I think I think we misunderstand what anarchy is, and we're we're sort of taught to like actually f- fear what that is. Yeah, yeah. But this a reboot. But is it? Yeah, but there's actually like a lot of like um, freedom that comes with what like the actual like definition, dictionary definition of what like anarchy is, which is like just a lack of control of government. And, like, uh, I don't know. There needs to be a balance of of both things, and like. Um, you know, like part of what I like a sort of motif that I like using a lot in my installation art is this idea of like sort of facing your fears, you know, and mm-hmm. like uh, 
you know, like I'll, I'll very oftentimes make something in an art installation where it'll look like a scary like cave opening or like some, you know, spooky door to like, uh, it looks like a haunted house or something like that. But like once you walk in, it's full of like flowers and music and lights and all this stuff because it's like this visceral experience of like being like, oh, should I go, should I go into this thing? Like, I don't know. It looks kind of scary. And then you walk in and you end up having like the best experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So like that, um, I think that's just like very much, uh, it's just, you know, part of life. It's like, like the stuff that, the stuff that's the most scary usually is the stuff that's the most freeing and like, you know, it's like, like when I'm super nervous before a show, it's like after the show you feel amazing. So like you get used to like what that what that is and like it's just it's just true of of a lot of stuff and like you know and then also on the other side of that of that name is like archetypes and using them in this in this other way because like archetypes in storytelling and in art are like these like things that like we all understand and inherently almost as humans like you see a story and you immediately can recognize like oh that's going to be the hero of the story that's going to be the villain of the story you know like there's these signals within that so like if you if you like look at my my like work with the installation art it's like it all feels very i think familiar in a lot of ways like it, it feels like nostalgic and familiar and like kind of draws you in on the on the archetypes of it but then it like in the in the stranger things one it literally was flipped upside down right because it was like the whole room was flipped upside mm-hmm. down but like i i realized much later on how much that was a sim like symbolic of just what i do with try to do with the installations in general it's like it kind of draws you in on this uh you know, familiar, like, archetype level, but then flips it in such a way where you have this uh, thought that you might not have expected to have. For sure, you know? for sure. And on the music side? Um, so yeah, same, and same thing. I mean, like, uh, you Post know. What's the Instagram? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the uh, uh, Lewinsky, uh, there's an underscore on both sides of it to make it symmetrical, but uh, L-E-W-I-N-S-K-E-Y. That's key. <laughs> well, brother, I appreciate you for coming in. Hey, it's no been problem. nothing but a treat, man. Um, words That's of wisdom good. from AJ. <laughs> I no, but I appreciate it. Looking forward to, to doing more with you, man. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, yeah. This has been uh, this has been a great. Um, yeah, it's been great meeting you.